Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 37, and I'm recording it on Wednesday, August 26, 2020, at 5.37 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, today we're going to get back to the basics. You know, we've gotten into the morality you know, of, of, the, of this issue. And, um, you know, a, a strong argument for ending factory farming immediately and, and transitioning to, um, to cellular agriculture, clean meat, is, um, is that these pandemics, epidemics, are, um, are increasing in frequency, you know, and, and um, and that's the point that I want to begin with today. Um, all right, now what I want, what I'd like to do is share my screen because I just created a table, um, and I'll show it to you now. Now, for those of you on um, on iTunes, Spotify, on the podcasts, I'm going to be like basically um, describing what I'm showing the, the television viewer. So, you know, you're not going to miss anything by this. So I just, I just finished compiled. I spent the last hour doing this, a, a, a list of the number of the common era epidemics by millennium, century, decade, and year to show you what we're up against. Okay. And some of you may have already um, gleaned the, uh, the message of this just by, by scanning the table. So, but I'm going to go through this. And again, I've, I've gotten this from a list of epidemics that I found on Wikipedia. It's generally a, a good source for, for this kind of information. Uh, so again, let's, let's just go through this. Um, the first century, there were no pandemics. The second century, there was one. The third, there was one. The fourth, none. The fifth, uh, um, 400 to 500. Um, None. Five to six hundred, one. Six to seven hundred, three. Seven to eight hundred, two. Eight hundred to nine hundred, zero. Nine to a thousand, zero. Thousand to eleven hundred, zero. Eleven hundred to twelve hundred, zero. Twelve hundred to thirteen hundred, zero. Thirteen to fourteen hundred, one. Fourteen to fifteen hundred, two. Now here we get to fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred. And here's where the numbers start climbing. Again, these are epidemics, some of which turned into pandemics. So from 1500 to 1600, we had 11 epidemics. And it's pretty easy to figure this out. Like Columbus discovered America in 1492, right? Right before, um, so that was the era of exploration, exploration by, by ships. Um, that ultimately uh, resulted in colonization. You know, you had this world, you know, Europe expanding across the world. There was much greater travel throughout the world and through, you know, not just um, country to country, but within countries. Because again, this is epidemics. This isn't um, necessarily about pandemics that, that include the entire world. So, all right, so like this first century of mass exploration, you know, by sea, again, 11 pandemics. Um, by the next century, 1600 to 1700, there's twice as many, two and a half times almost as many um, 
epidemics, 24, okay, in the 1700s, uh, that number climbed by about a third. There's 33. Um, in the 1800s, there are 55, okay? Now, in the 1900s, let me just see if I can do this ad. I didn't include, a, an, um, I, I should do this, but there's 46, 50, 67, 70, um, 383. So in the 1900s, there have been 83 pandemics total. Okay. Uh, so that's, you know, that's um, 30 times more than in the 1800s. Now here's where we get, you know, to, we've gone from century to decade, and now we're at year, you know, so like, you know, from, from 2000 to 2000, and 10, we have 40 epidemics. Okay, but uh, um, actually, let, let me go through this. Sorry, let me go through this um, one by one. So from 1900 to 1910, we had five epidemics. 1910 to 1920, five again. In the 20s, we had four. In the 30s, we had two. In the 40s, we had six. 50s, we had one. But it was a major one. That was the 1957 epi pandemic, um, it took four years to develop a vaccine for that. That was the, the, the fastest that we've ever developed vaccine. 1960 to 1973, in the 70s we had seven, in the 80s we had four, in the 90s we had um, six, and then in the 2000s to 2010 we had 40. Okay, now I think, you know, that, that's, I, sh I should pause for this. Like, so like, you know, we've gone from, from you know, less than the 10 um, in, in these um, first years of the 19, uh, first decades of the 1900s to in the first decade of the, of the millennium, the, the, this 2000 millennium, we've got 40. Now, what, what's this about? It, it's about greater population, it's about greater, airport travel, airline travel, there are 4 billion passenger flights each year that, um, that, that explain this pretty much. It's not just that, it's like, it's the, the uh, well, no, that, that it probably, does, that's probably explains. And this whole, you know, the, the increase through the 1900s through 2000 is also explained by, um, by the increase in factory farming. All right, so, so now we're at 2011. So um, we've got two, we had two in 2012, two, 2013, five and 14, two and 15, one, 16, two and 17, three, 18, two, 2019, we had seven, okay? And 2020, we've only had one in 2020, probably because everybody's shut down because of the epidemic that, um, started in 2019, this coronavirus we're struggling with now. So let's add this up. So we've got 9, 13, 15, 28. 28 in, in, in this, um, in this um, decade, this last decade. It wasn't as bad as, as the decade of between 2000 to 2010, as you see, there was 40. But, you know, we, uh, we were not so lucky. You know, one of these, you know, our 2019 COVID-19 
is, is what we're dealing with now. So I'm going to stop sharing. And, and so like now I think you have an idea of why it's imperative. It, it's not an option. It's not a reasonable option, you know, to, to, to not end factory farming as soon as we can and transition to this cellular agriculture would be beyond reckless. It would be totally irresponsible. Irresponsible to whom? To us, but not just to us, to, to future generations, to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. It's very important for you to, to understand this. Um, that's why, that's why um, scaling up, fast tracking cellular agriculture, the production of clean meat, fish, dairy, eggs, lab-grown products that don't involve any uh, animal cruelty and then, you know, more importantly to us, that are pandemic-free, that we basically eliminate the risk in pandemics through making this transition. You see, you see how that's, it's, you know, the, 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 the rate and the rate of, of, of epidemics, pandemics, and this, you know, I haven't even included, that was, you know, that table included just the epidemics, you know, and some of them are, are turned into pandemics. But what I didn't include there are the numerous outbreaks. For example, several months ago in, in a farm in North Carolina, South Carolina, one of the Carolinas, there was a, a swine flu outbreak. They had to kill 30,000 pigs because there was an outbreak. Now, I, I, I've got to do some more research. I'm guessing um, the outbreaks every year, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, be surprised if they number um, certainly in the tens, but perhaps, perhaps there, there are over a hundred outbreaks each year. Again, I've got to look. And so like we're playing Russian roulette, you know, the, any of the, any of these outbreaks could turn into an epidemic and these epidemics turn into pandemics. And again, like don't go by the past, by the past decade, especially before 1950 to, to assess our risk of these epidemics turning into pandemics. You have to keep in mind what's extremely important for you to consider is the amount of air travel. Four billion passenger flights each year and you know who knows how many uh, passengers on each of those flights to every continent. Um, and now, so like there are a lot of, you know, we here in the United States are working on prevention through contact tracing and through distance and masks. And, uh, but, you know, you have to understand that um, these, let's say we have another outbreak, right? And, um, and let's say we're prepared, you know, to, to contain, you know, outbreaks that, that might happen here. You know, we, we contact trace them. We, we have the, um, the CDC and then, you know, other organizations are really good to, to con constrain, you know, one that might happen here. But let's imagine in, in a couple years, several years, one, begins in Africa, in, in a country in Africa, a very poor country in Africa, that, that you know, China is investing in the African countries, trying to develop their economy, something we in the United States should have been doing, 
you know, and, and we're, we're really negligent on that. We, we really need to, not just for their sake, but for our sake, help these African countries uh, develop their economies. So, you know, let's say uh, an outbreak begins in, and, and a lot of them have recently, that there's different Ebola strains, you know, uh, developing different uh, countries. So you have a, um, an epidemic that, that develops in, in one of these African countries and you have the air travel. So like, you know, you have, you know, somebody from that country, let's say travels to China. Again, China's investing heavily in the African countries. And then from China, you know, their business people travel the world. You know, they're the manufacturers of the world. So like in two steps, you have, you know, potential epidemic turn into a pandemic. And like, you know, again, I, I, can't, I can't overly stress the point that while we here in the United States may take measures to prevent our outbreaks from turning into epidemics and epidemics from turning into pandemics, because of the current economic nature of, of, of our world, because there are so many poor countries that don't have the resources we do, we cannot expect those countries to be as successful. And as, as we've seen with the coronavirus, um, to contain it, you know, we have to shut down our economy. So like, you know, and, and that is the prevention, that is the prevention strategy, not just distancing, not just contact tracing, but shutting down businesses, shutting down society. That is our method of containment. So in terms of preventing, you know, future pandemics, we really can't rely on addressing, mitigating, containing a pandemic or an epidemic that's, that's already started, especially if it starts in, in another country. You know, that's just a, a very unrealistic, unreal, unreasonable, you know, method to, to remain safe. All right, so, so you understand. You, you now understand that this isn't a one in 100 year event like some pundits, media people, politicians try to say, you know, the, these, these pandemics are increasing, epidemics are certainly increasing. Um, 1980s gave us HIV AIDS, it's killed over 20 million people. You know, so, so we, can't, we can't rely on luck that, 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 that this ne next decade and the next decade after that before we're able to develop, you know, hopefully universal vaccines against all strains of, of, of virus, influenza, coronavirus, different um, strains. We can't rely on luck that, that, we'll, that, that the next pandemic won't strike in, let's say, five years, you know, 10 years before these vaccines are available. And Again, you know, think of the, the economics, the basic math, you know, according to the CDs, um, the Congressional Budget Office, we are expected to spend $8 trillion on this coronavirus. Now, with that perspective, you know, for us to, again, as soon as Biden takes office in 2021, in, in March, uh, April, 
very early in, in his administration, we need to release this $50 billion that, that I've been, and this is a ballpark figure. I mean, this $50 billion, you know, that we would release to fast track the cellular agriculture industry. You know, I've said this before, it represents one half of 1% of what we're going to be spending on this coronavirus. So to not make that expenditure is, is beyond foolish. You know, it's, it's playing with fire. It's just like, and you know, again, like this $50 billion figure, it's a ballpark figure. Um, it could be a hundred billion, you know, and, and, and like, for example, I, I made the, the comparison of several episodes ago between the average homeowner in the United States, let's say a homeowner, not in Westchester, but in some other parts of the country where houses are cheaper, they buy a home for $220,000. Okay, and um, they basically end up spending for homeowner's insurance to protect their house from theft, fire, things that virtually never happen. The average homeowner spends about $1,000 a year. So over a 10 year period, they'll have spent $10,000, which represents about 4.5% of their investment, of, of the, the cost of their, their home, their house, right? So now consider that, like, you know, 4.5% of what this coronavirus is costing us would be about $350 billion. So like this $50 billion that I believe is probably enough to, to get the job done is much less than even the, the a homeowner um, pays to, to insure against something that almost never happens, where in this, you know, funding the cellular agriculture, we're protecting our, ourselves against something that will absolutely happen, and perhaps much more, um, much more um, hurtfully, more, more um, catastrophic than, than, than this coronavirus has been. All right, I want to share that screen again because like it just like let's see if I can glean a few more meanings from it. Um I will uh, I will Yeah, I mean like you know, all right, so let's let's do the from from you know, the the beginning of the common era to the, the entire first millennium, okay? We have 1 2 3 6 8 epidemics. The entire thousand years, eight epidemics. Okay, um, then um, you know. Then, um, well, yeah. I, I mean, you can you can see it. Um, it gets from from the eleven hundreds to the nineteen hundreds. There are I'm not going to do the math. There seem to be a bit over a hundred. Okay, and and then the nineteen hundreds to two thousands. Um, well, then we get into decades. All right, now I, um, I better get, stop the screen share. So, so I mean, I'll, I'll try to you know glean more um, more insights into this um, in future episodes. All right, um, that's that's why this is so important. You know, you have to keep this in mind. It, it, it's not you know epidem epidemiologists are very responsible you know, disease, um, contagious disease experts, they'll tell you over and over, it's not matter, a matter of when, if another pandemic is gonna happen, it's just a matter of when. And based on these figures, based on that table that I just showed you, it is 
not unreasonable to expect that another pandemic may come in five years or 10 years. I mean, face it, I mean, our world has not been that lucky. You know, we've got Trump as our president. You know, we're being punished. We wanna, if we wanna get theological, religious about this, yes. You know, we, um, we do a lot of bad. I mean, let's let, yeah, let's transition. There, there are four major evils that, that we, um, that we are not fundamentally responsible for. Again, don't blame yourself because you didn't create this world. You didn't choose to be in it, you know, and the world basically conditioned you for how you are. But, but collectively, there are four great sins that, that we're committing. The first is this ungodly, um, unconscionable treatment of over 70 billion farm animals each year. The, 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 the kind of abuse and torture they go through is, is, is beyond belief. And, and I'll, you know, I, I will devote future episodes to, to going into the, the details of this. Just one, you know, right now. The uh, egg-laying hens, they're kept in battery cages that are stacked on top of each other. So there may be three, four rows where the chickens on top are urinating and defecating on the chickens below. And they are cramped together, four, five, six chickens per cage. And the cage is about a, a foot by a foot by a foot, or perhaps a bit long, uh, wider. But the, the point is that the cages are so small that no one chicken in any of these cages um, has enough room to even spread their wings. Okay, that's just one example of, of, of how horribly we're treating these animals. So, um, so yeah, if you want to get religious, theological, um, I think God's telling us enough. Enough is enough. You know, um, God told us that with slavery, you know, you know, so by 1865, because some of us didn't listen, the southern states who are still, you know, um, perpetuating racism, who still haven't learned their lesson um, because we couldn't, you know, come together to end slavery peacefully. We, we fought the Civil War. Now, I think we're fortunate that we don't have to fight a war about this. You know, all we have to do is um, end the factory farming, you know, to redeem ourselves. And getting back to the, 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 the global aspect of all this again you know uh, well uh, one of our our there, of the four major sins this, uh, the second a second one is global poverty we have we've had the resources to end global poverty for decades um back in 1970 there was a pearson commission that was uh commissioned by the united nations conducted in canada it determined that if the top richest 22 countries of the world would donate 0.7 percent of their annual GDP, gross domestic products, their annual income, uh, less than 1% each year that they could end global poverty. You know, that has never happened. You know, the United States has been one of the most delinquent in, in meeting that goal because the United Nations agreed to that goal. You know, and year after year, I think only a few of the Scandinavian countries have ever, um, you know, donated um, over 0.7%, perhaps 1% of their GDP, which, you know, I mean, give me a break. It, it, it's, it's nothing to begin with. So, so global poverty and, and, and relative to that, um, we're going to have to develop these countries. You know, we're going to have to end probably um, global poverty to a certain extent to, um, 
to be free of future pandemics. Because these, these again, these poor countries will have to um, be able to contain outbreaks and that requires resources. Uh, the other two major um, sins, collective sins, uh, we're ignoring climate change. That's probably the greatest of its sins because like, you know, the, the, the planet will be warming and getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And uh, you don't want to know the details of, of, you know, by the time it gets to um, the 21st, the 22nd century, when, when our kids today, if, if, if you've got a kid growing up, you know, who was born in 2020, they're going to be alive, chances are, by um, 2100. And, you know, the, uh, unless we do something, unless we do a lot of serious work, they're, they're going to be living in, in, a, in, a, in a heat hell, you know. Um, and the last of our four sins is abortion. I mean, you know, um, we abort, we end the lives of as many unborn children every year as die of every other cause of death combined. You know, 50 to 60 million abortions every year. That's how many people die every year on this planet, you know, who are born. So um, we've got our work cut out for us. And it is moral. You know, this is, you know, this is not, we don't, we don't lack the financial resources to prevent these pandemics. We don't lack the technology. We don't lack the organization. The only thing we lack is the will, the resolve. And the reason we, we do that is because we need to, we need to um, strengthen our conscience. We need to become better people, if not for, for the practical reasons, you know, relative to this table I just showed you of the increasing frequency of, of epidemics, if not for our sake, for the sake of our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Um, okay, um, yesterday I, um, I devoted the episode to painting a, um, a good picture, you know, not, not, it wasn't about moving away from this, like, like I've gone to again today, but it was about creating a much better future. And again, I'm going to keep trying. Um, I'll tape it up, God willing, I'll tape an episode tomorrow. And hopefully I can transition back to that more positive frame. Because I think you do need, you know, this is difficult to, to listen to. And I think it'll be helpful for you to imagine what an amazing, blissful, you know, uh, morally upright world we can create by initiating this process, by making this transition from factory farming, farming of animals, to the cellular agriculture industry. All right, we've got a minute left. Thanks for watching. Um, catch this every Monday through Friday on White Plains Community Media, Channel 76 with Optimum, 45 with Verizon. And the episodes are also in video on YouTube. And they are now in audio on iTunes, Spotify, um, several other um, podcast providers. Um, I hope you are having a good Thursday. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, again, uh, and, and again, your your job is to like talk to people about this. Don't don't remain silent about it. You know, talk to your friends about it. You know, see see if they if they don't know, do a little research. This is not difficult to um, to research. Any of these facts that I'm that I'm presenting, they're out there. Just Google them. Just make make sure you you get a reliable source. You know, you don't want one of these old rights you know, conspiracy theory and things that thinks this is a house. 
hoax. All right, uh, so thanks for watching, and I'll catch you next time.